Well, this morning I'd like to back off from our gospel text and go back to our first reading from Genesis. And the Lord says to Abraham, Abraham, whom we know as the father of faith, he says, walk in my presence and be blameless. You and your descendants after you must keep my covenant throughout the ages. And this is my covenant with you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And God was laying on Abraham the responsibility of being faithful to the covenant. And that's what I'd like to speak about this morning is the virtue of faithfulness, the virtue of fidelity. And I think we're very familiar with the common phrase. We uh, It's used a lot in, in kind of like Catholic language. You know, you say, the faithful. So, the, so one way of speaking about the people of God, about uh, the members of the church, is by calling them the faithful. Faithful in that they uh, believe the creed and that which Christ and the apostles have taught us, but also faithful in that they're faithful to God. They have the virtue of fidelity. This is a, a favorite theme, actually, of Pope Francis. He's, he always talks about God's holy, faithful people. God's holy, faithful people. And it's certainly not just a, a buzzword for Pope Francis. There's a lot of theology to that phrase. It can be unpacked, really, uh, indefinitely. Uh, but the virtue of fidelity is very important. So just as Abraham was called to be faithful to the covenant of circumcision, we are called to be faithful to the new covenant in the blood of Christ, primarily through our, the sacrament of baptism. Baptism corresponds for us Christians to uh, circumcision in the old uh, covenant. And so just like Abraham was to be faithful to circumcision, to, to the, the rite of circumcision, we are to be faithful to our baptism and the commitment that we made through our parents or our sponsors, or if we were an adult when we were baptized, that we made ourselves directly, we are to be faithful to that commitment. And I'm reminded, uh, excuse me if I use this material again in a Sunday homily, I might in the future sometime. I was, uh, reminds me of a childhood experience I had. I was very profoundly affected, probably when I was about six or seven years old, uh, by a Dr. Seuss book that my mother read to me. <laughs> and uh, forgive me if this is a cultural reference that's not, you know, you don't, you can't relate to. I think probably maybe you've read this to your children or you know this, this story. It's from Dr. Seuss. It's about, it's called Horton Hatches the Egg. And the story goes like this. It's an elephant, and he's li he lives in the jungle, and there's this bird, Maisie the Lazy Bird, and she's sitting on her egg. And uh, she says, this is really hard work. I want to get out of this job. I want to go on a vacation. And so she talks uh, Horton into sitting on her egg for her. Uh, now, the whole thing is ridiculous because it's this little tree, and Horton is this huge elephant, and he... He kind of, he, he succumbs to her, her persuasion. He climbs up on the tree. He sits on the egg. And uh, she flies away. And she's enjoying her vacation so much she's not going to come back. And Horton is sitting there through rain and through uh, thunder and lightning. And the winter comes. Of course, it's, it's a jungle. I don't know why there's winter in the jungle. But, you know, there's icicles hanging from Horton's body. Um, 
All the other animals come and they say, look how silly this is. You have an elephant sitting on the egg. And they, they laugh at him. And Horton wants to play with them, but, you know, they're laughing at him and they all run away. And then there's these hunters that come up and they're about to kill him and he, he won't move from the egg, so he's ready to die. And then the hunters get a second idea. They say, oh, no, let's not kill him. And they bring him to New York City and they put him on show because he's, so he becomes like this freak show. <laughs> And uh, everybody's going, oh, look at this crazy elephant. How can this be? So forth and so on. Maisie happens to fly f over New York and sees the circus and comes down and then realizes, hey, that's my egg, and then tells Horton to get off it because he stole it from her. And uh, Horton, you know, kind of, you know, climbs down the tree and he gets off and the, and the egg opens up. And out comes an elephant a little baby elephant with wings and goes and identifies with Horton and not with, with Lazy Maisie. And so Horton goes back to the jungle happy. Well, throughout the story, Horton repeats this line, uh, I said, I, I meant what I said and I said what I meant. An elephant is faithful 100%. An elephant is faithful 100%. I remember as a six or seven year old child just weeping profusely that, you know, Horton had a, you know, he was so faithful, he never broke his word. Now, as an adult, I look at that and I can say, you know, that kind of relationship was very codependent and, and dysfunctional and unhealthy. Horton should have said to Maisie, Maisie, you gotta take responsibility for your own, for your own egg and I'm not gonna climb up on this egg, you know. But given that, just the fidelity of that, of, of this character, really profoundly affected me. And uh, I, I reflect on how important the virtue of fidelity is. And if there are commitments that we have made in our life that we have not lived up to, if there are promises that we made that we have not lived up to, um, God is forgiving. We can start again. From here on out, we can be faithful. And we can teach our children and our grandchildren the importance of making commitments and living up to them, giving our words and, and meaning what we say and being, uh, as our father in the faith, Abraham, faithful to that covenant.